Hello and welcome to another episode of Casted Into the Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Bill. And we're back to Game of Thrones. Yeah, I know uh, in the fandom right now, um, Ice and Fire Con has been going on for the past weekend. We were not able to be there, but nope. uh, I hope you all had fun and would like to go someday. Yep. Um, we're on to uh, the Eddard chapter, and um, I'm actually not going to describe the illustration just yet because it's too much of a spoiler. Yeah, the illustration is definitely a spoiler there. Alright, so this is right after um, the incident with um, Sansa's disastrous um, date with Joffrey and encountering... Um, Arya sparring with the butcher's boy and uh, all that happened there. Yeah. So, Ned gets um, informed that they have found her, meaning Arya, which means Arya has um, run off to hide after what happened. Yep. And um, Ned's first question is whether it was his men or Lannisters that found her, and um, the steward, Van Poole, says that it was Jory, so one of his men. One of his men, she was not harmed. She was not harmed, and um, yeah, they'd actually been looking for Arya for four days, and both his men and the Lannister men were out looking for her. And of course, Ned is uh, rightfully a little paranoid about that. And um, once Arya brought to him right away, and she might have to be asked, be questioned by the king. (laughs) About what happened. Um, she, She has actually been taken directly to the king by um the Lannister men anyway because they were uh, guarding the gate. Hey Nim, what's your problem? There's nothing there. Uh you know, the dog's being a little Yeah. She might hear a mouse or something. Yeah, Ned um, says to go and bring Sansa to the audience chamber because her voice may be needed. I actually messed it up a bit. It was Sansa that um, may end up being questioned too. And of course he's angry and worried that um, Arya has been taken directly to the king like that. And and, uh, you want to know why he was why she wasn't brought to him first. And that causes Cersei to snap at Ned and say, how yeah. dare you speak to your king? And Robert, uh, Robert actually stands up for Ned and apologizes for that. You know, before we get to that part, um, I should say that where um, the king and queen were staying and you know where this questioning is happening is um, Castle Derry. And they pretty much just you know, impose themselves on Lord Derry because they can. Um, 
Now, um, House Derry had actually fought for the Targaryens, so they were not willing supporters of Robert. Nope. We put the, uh, came around to his side afterward. Yeah, you, it's kind of the, the safe thing to do. So uh, yeah, Robert's in there, Cersei. Joffrey is there with a lot of bandages on his arm, and maybe he needed that many, and maybe he didn't. Yeah, and the point is that Cersei's accusing Arya and uh, Micah and the wolf of basically attacking Joffrey for no reason, basically something like that. Which, you know, as um, you'd know from the last chapter, is not what happened at all, but... yeah. And, you know, Arya tells them that um, her wolf just bit him a little and that he was hurting Micah. And, well, Joffrey's version uh, is that Arya and Micah had beat him with clubs and set the wolf on him. Yep. And, of course, you know, Arya's calling him a liar. And Ned's sort of noticing that Joffrey's acting shifty about it, not looking at... Arya as he speaks and and yeah Arya is totally you know she's she's yelling and has no fear of um contradicting the prince in court yeah well she's also young she's young and she's like what eight in this ten something like that um younger than ten uh, about somewhere between eight and ten (laughs) want to say nine. Well, there you go. That would be pretty... Yeah, it would. And Arya tells her story... Um, including the part where she threw Joffrey's sword into the river, and Renly is laughing at that. Yeah. And uh, the king has uh, his brother escorted from the hall. Yeah. And uh, before he leaves... You know, saying he can take himself out. Um, he pokes a bit of fun at Joffrey for being disarmed by a little girl. Yeah. With a broom handle. While he's... Yeah, and it know, was the lion's tooth, too. The sword is... That, yeah. And he said that they, you know, they deliberately threw it in the river and... I mean, he lost it. Oh, that... Makes him look I'm sure bad. it was a... Fancy enough sword, but it's not exactly. But the point is that he was, he was saying he admitting that he was disarmed with superior weaponry by a little girl with a, a stick. Girl. Yes, a little girl and a peasant boy. And they ask Sansa what happened, and Sansa saw it too, and she's really scared and is crying and says that she doesn't know and she doesn't remember and everything happened so fast she didn't see. And and Arya flips out and atta- basically attacks uh, Sansa and starts screaming at her, calling her a liar, and Ned, you know... Breaks that up and um, asks Sansa um, if she's hurt but is also staring at Arya 
And Cersei says the girl is as wild as that filthy animal of hers, and she want she wants Robert to punish her. And Robert's like, she's a kid, you know. Yeah, Robert actually does kids fight. Is like kids fight. It's over. No harm was done. And you know, Cersei's incredibly offended on behalf of her. Yeah, inc- it's not. Sorry. I was gonna say on behalf of her incest baby. Yes, we'll uh, outright say that. Uh, Joffrey's parentage is not... At this uh, point, I think most Game of Thrones fans, except for those who have just come to it, know about this. Yeah, exactly. Joffrey is, in fact, the incestual uh, product of uh, Cersei Lannister and Jaime I kind of knew a bit about Cersei and Jaime from the memes before I watched or read any of... I mean, it was made pretty obvious. It was uh, from early on, so... And... Not that I'm... Too much of a fan of Robert, morally speaking, but he's the one being sensible here. For once. Well, yeah, Robert is... Like, they're kids, kids fight. Yeah, I think Robert's kind of, like, annoyed by it all. He just wants to say whatever to it. Um, and he's... not that it, it really comes up yet. Robert already knows something is not right with Joffrey. Joffrey. Well... Yeah, that I his think kind it's... of cruelty is a bit beyond the normal. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, Cersei basically calls for Arya to be punished, and um, and Robert says <laughs> discipline them, but uh, like Dad, discipline your daughter. I'll do the same with my son. But Cersei says, uh, you know, what, what are the wolf, wolf, dire wolf, what are the beasts that savage your son? And Robert had, um, actually forgotten about the wolf. Yeah. And well, at least he claimed he did. He may have just been trying to, like, move on. It sounds like he was really trying to move on from a lot of it and was trying not to, uh, not, not to actually drag this on, especially because Joffrey wasn't really... He's not permanently hurt. I mean, as Sarah said, it's debatable as to how many of those bandages he really needs, but, I mean, I'm sure he needs some of them, but... I uh, said his arm bled a lot, but my dog jumped up happily, and her nails need um some doing, which will happen soon, and, like, her claw scratched my arm, and it bled quite a Dogs can, most dogs, except for the smallest breeds, can pretty much really, like, bite really severely if they want to. So imagine a dire wolf. This is bigger than, remember my rant, this is bigger than an actual uh, prehistoric dire wolf. Uh, Don't know if the bite force is bigger, but still big, but still probably bigger than most dogs. And they could have seriously bit him if it wanted to, so... And, um, Jory speaks up quickly and says that they found no trace of the dire wolf. And Robert seems kind of relieved by that and is like, so be it. And the queen right away puts a high price on, um, the skin for whoever can kill the wolf and bring the pelt. A hundred golden dragons, that is... A very large amount of money. Yeah, I'm at. No, do we ever know what how much a dragon is? No, but I could. I think reasonably say this is multi hundred dollars. 
I'd say probably even more than that, probably. I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things. I mean, it let's would clearly see, uh, worth more, more than, like, let's say a Roman silver talent, which is, uh, my phone is not with me, otherwise I'd look that up, but that was quite a bit of money. And, you know, I imagine it's something along those lines, only more so. so. And Robert says that's costly. He wants no part of this. You buy her first with Lannister gold. And, you know, the queen, um, Cersei, she says he's being stingy. Um, actually, uh, she uses the word... Well, we're not going to go into that. Well, anyway, a word is, that sounds well, racist not, but does not have the same... Uh, yeah, uh, we don't need to go into that. Yeah. But the point is that she, she calls him out on it and he, and, you know... He, he, Robert's trying to sort of still brush it aside, and uh, he says, we don't have the wolf, and she says, we have a wolf, so it's fine that the idea is that they would kill a different wolf, and Robert basically agrees to it. And he also says that uh, get the get the girl a dog, she'll be happier for it. I feel like the story implies, if you read between the lines, it implies that. I mean, it's later confirmed. Minor spoiler, but it implies if you read between the lines here that the it's children implied. are bonded very strongly with the direwolf, and that no, a dog is not the same and. It would greatly uh, scar the children. This is somewhat of a minor spoiler, but um, regarding these bonds with the wolves, um, the people who can do that sort of thing, like a wolf is like a lifelong partnership, and a dog, because they're so domesticated and used to, you know, taking, you know, commands from humans or it's basically described as a caller that you know any anybody who can do this can you know bond any dog and it's not not the same thing um with some dogs I think I'd question that um but that's how it's set out in here and the point is is that a dire wolf has to pay for the price of what happened. Uh, what's now? What was the name of Arya's dire wolf again? Nymeria. Nymeria. Okay, and said lady. Uh, and lady is actually the gentlest, friendliest, most tame acting of the wolves. So the least likely to. And and, and you'll note that the uh, the dire wolf's personalities kind of mirror the Stark children. Uh, uh, and, you know, since Sansa's kind of the uh, most uh, polite and timid of them, you have uh, the direwolf acting the same. And um, Also, regarding the get her a dog, um, this is somewhat spoilery, but um, a lot of fans take it as meaning um, the hound. Like, 
the Hound is going to be important to Sansa's storyline later. but they really think... I mean, I guess you could it's argue It's a very popular theory. I mean, I guess you could argue that that's, like, sort of the literary implication. But that's sort of... I feel like that's getting towards, like, fourth wall type stuff. Like, you know... Well, maybe not fourth wall, but the idea of, you know... Uh, a very abstract and metaphorical thing versus uh, just versus the idea that, you know, a literal dog. So, I don't know. I don't know if George R. R. Martin was thinking that when he wrote that. He might have. Uh, and the fans seem to think it. What do I know? And when Sansa realizes they're talking about her wolf, she's really upset. She's really upset. She's you know, pleading that the wolf is innocent and did not bite anybody. And Arya realizes what's going on too and says Lady wasn't there and leave her alone. And And Sansa's freaking out about it. She's, you know, making the plea of a child uh, that knows something terrible is going to happen. So it's And yeah, Ned is hugging scene. her and she's crying. And um, Ned says to, you know, Robert as his friend, um, please, Robert, for the love you bear me, for the love you bore my sister, yeah, please. Yeah, that's like a major thing right there, the fact that he invokes that, especially in front of Cersei. And, and Robert um, looks at Cersei and curses. Yeah, he says, damn you, Cersei. And... Ned, you know, stands and gets um, gets up and says to Robert to do it himself, at least have the courage to do it himself. Now, this is hearkening back to the the northern, if you're going to pass the sentence, you have to be willing to swing the sword. Yeah, and then, Just like is, with that Night's Watch disorder. This is sort of like two guys trying to, like, challenge, they're challenging each other in manly ways, but, you know, the idea is that it's a terrible thing, and neither of them want to deal with it, but they both feel honor-bound by their, you know, their codes to do something. I mean, you know, the king feels that he absolutely has to make an example of somebody, because he's the king. He can't appear weak, especially in front of his wife. Uh, which, again, that's not out of any love. It's because Cersei and the rest of the Lannisters are ruthless, ruthless people, which... You know, I guess that's a mild spoiler, a but I think me, it's been illustrated at this point already. Anyway, what? A part of me thinks that maybe if Ned had yeah. kept trying, maybe he could have brought Robert around. I don't know. And I, I don't think he could have with Cersei there. I feel like the I don't want to. I don't like the idea of uh, pulling the the. I'm the I'm the king. I'm the man. I get what I want. You know, over his wife. But you know, in this case, I f- I'd well, feel more okay with that than what happens next. Well, but the thing is, is that also it's it's politics. This is all politics, and you know that's kind of where George R. R. Martin's pretty brilliant about this. Is that this is politics where, you know, this man's married to his wife. It's a powerful marriage. That was sort of born out of affection, but is really out of political convenience. And I wouldn't say affection of, at all. Okay. Well, it sort of was, remember, because Cersei had that crush In on him. In the beginning, Cersei had a crush on him because of who he was, and he was good-looking. And Yeah, exactly. So it, it kind of starts from that, but it's a political 
she is not who he wanted to be with, and yeah, she was he's not really who she best. wanted. Yeah, second, <laughs> two times over. Yeah, and the the, the point is, is that it is a political marriage, and they are both politi- powerful political people that are trying to look stronger in front of each other, and. But you can tell Robert's kind of done with it. He just says that, and uh, Ned says, "Do it yourself, Robert." And then Robert looks at looks at Ned with dead eyes and left without a word. Um, and ideas, I guess that uh, he doesn't want this, but he's, he's letting it, it to Ned. Yeah, and Cersei asks where the wolf is, and Joffrey's there smiling. Yeah. Um, totally more about the vindictiveness of it than, um, I think really caring about his arm. Yeah. And, um, Sir Barristan reluctantly tells the location of the wolf chained up outside the gatehouse, and, um, Cersei says to send for Ellen Payne, the executioner, and, um, Ned says no and tells Joy to take the girls back to their rooms and bring him his sword ice. And, um, he can, he's disgusted too, he can taste bile in his throat. Well, but he's gonna do it Um, but himself. he says, if it must be done, I will do it. And, Cersei asks if there's a trick going on, and why would he do that? And, um, Ned says that she is of the North, she deserves better than a butcher. So, He's trying to soften the humiliation and indignity of this, but uh, that means that it's his own hands that kill his own daughter's uh, pet wolf. Yeah. And, um... And then it goes into how she's the smallest and the prettiest of the litter and the most trusting. So basically, this is a fairly innocent puppy. Definitely not the one... Remember, of course, definitely not the one that uh, bit Joffrey in any way, so, <laughs> the idea is that she's standing in, that this wolf, this animal, is standing in for an, a- for another wolf, for an abstract concept of human justice, so that's sort of, sort of a very interesting, uh, complicated thing here. I um, know, uh, this, this is harder to read and talk about when... When I first read Game of Thrones, I'd had a dog before. I hadn't had a dog in years. I do have one now, and it... Yeah, it's, it's worse. Tough. It's tough to read. Um... And... Um... How animal cases are handled, dogs and uh, other animals too, is a matter that's near to my heart, and it tends to not exactly turn out in a way that goes well for the animal in real life either. Well, now the way they even... The way they they mention it is kind of interesting because they don't describe it. They just say that it's done. Um, Droy brings him ice and then it was over. And he says, Choose four men and have them take the body north, bury her at Winterfell. And... Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, they were, like, saying, oh, Jory said, really all that way? And he said, yes, that way, and the Lannister woman will never have this skin. And so they deal with that. 
And uh, you were going to talk about... Well, hold on. We'll still mention this. Uh... Yeah. Sandor Clegan. Yeah, uh, Sandor Clegane the... comes in and he has something slung over the back of his horse and it's wrapped in a bloody cloak. And um, he says, There's no sign of your daughter but hand, but the day was not wholly wasted. We got her little pet. And he shoves the thing off of his horse and it falls in front of Ned. And uh, you know, you're thinking the other wolf that got yeah. the other wolf. But no, it was Micah the butcher's boy. And that's what he meant, though. It's kind of dark. He's saying yes. He, he referred ro- to the referred to the boy without a trace of irony or anything like that as her pet, and he is fine with this child uh, standing in like the wolf standing in for uh, the human uh, for the for another 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 girl that you know another another human being that. Uh, may or may not have been guilty. And um, Ned says, you wrote him down, and um, the hound says he ran and then laughs, but not very fast. And it shows you that the hound is, you know, a terrible bastard. And he ends up, as Sarah mentions, it ends up a lot more complicated than that. But the idea is that this is the introduction to the cat hound, He's fine with killing anybody or anything. On man, you know, the prince's woman, orders. And... Man, woman, child, beast, anything, as long as uh, as long as it's uh, an order. So. And because he's a peasant kid, you know, nobody's going to make any. Um. No. The Hound and none of the royals are going to be, you know, it appears held to any account about that because of the the class difference. Now, this is actually, I'm not going to spoil it, but this is not going to be the last heard about the Hound having killed Micah the Butcher's Boy. Um, but for for now and for a lot of the future, it is. Yeah. So, and, um... So, yeah, Sarah wanted me to talk about, because I was bringing it up, uh, comparing the uh, Game of Thrones Westerosi cultures and um, contrasting both the uh, Southern culture and the Northern culture. Uh, what's interesting is that the Northern culture, uh, they'll kill uh, who they need to, including their own, but they will do it themselves, as Sarah said, as a sense of honor. Um, the Southern culture doesn't care. And seems to be uh, more okay just uh, freely killing. And I was contrasting it with a completely different culture, which is a re- was a real culture and a medieval culture. So not co- so it would be arguably be comparable to the culture here. Uh, and it is medieval Japanese uh, culture, which is a mix- healthy mix. Well, a mixture of Buddhism. Shintoism and um, Confucianism, uh, as it generally is, but this was a particularly Buddhist era in um, in medieval Japan, and how the um, 
how what, what what happened was that there was a shogun called the Dog Shogun or the Wolf Shogun named I don't know if I'm saying this right Sunayoshi, um, and how he actually ordered, um, because he was very very uh, religious and Buddhist, um, he, um. He basically ordered um, animals, including wolves and dogs, to be treated with compassion at all times, including even if they were attacking people and uh, attacking uh, livestock. And that, that's sort of an interesting thing. Of course, the Buddhist view of that would be that, you know, these animal souls are still worthy of the love, uh, the universal love of Buddhism, especially because, you know, animal souls and human souls aren't necessarily different. They're just on different planes of, uh, the cycle of reincarnation. And he actually made it so that it was illegal to just kill, outright kill, uh, animals, uh, including animals that were even menacing, uh, similar to wolves, similar to these dire wolves, he would actually not allow that, even if one attacked somebody, if they could be, you know, if it could be avoided. And he actually dealt harsh penalties towards people, including sometimes people killing wolves in what could arguably be self-defense. So it's sort of a difference. And Sarah asked me to contrast that, and I think that's a very interesting contrast of cultures, because you had these different uh, cultures uh, that viewed these animals very differently. Of course, certainly in uh, the Christian and Islamic world, wolves were still very much persecuted and considered menaces, uh, especially because they would attack livestock. Um, but you have these uh, other cultures that would still allow that and it would be a um it would it would be considered a folly or a sin to actually do what uh what Robert Baratheon and Cersei Lannister and to an extent Ned Stark would do. I think that it would be very different with the way uh, you know, Ned Stark uh, did things, but it's still one of those things where it would be considered, it would be frowned upon and even punished. So you have these different outlooks. It's, it's saying that, you know, these could have been different and well, for plot points, George R. R. Martin wrote it the way it was. Christian and my view of dogs, um, sounds actually a lot closer to, um, what Bill just described. Um, oh, a lot of people feel that way. A lot of people love Historically, dogs. there was um, a lot of um, persecution of wolves in Europe and America. Um, some of, some of it from, you know, fear of them and they might attack the livestock or the very rare chance one might go for a person and some of it was, oh, wolves are the devil, uh, well, that's America's being post-colonized Americas, because but before that, they uh, various native tribes viewed uh, 
wolves differently depending on what it was. So, and that's the same way for a lot of these. But this is one of these independent uh, cultures that, you know, uh, basically for all intents and purposes evolved differently and evolved a different. And your book gets um. Oh, it's just about the lost wolves of Japan. Yeah, that's that's a book. I'm reading, and it's just a, it's just an interesting book on uh, history, where history and uh, um, and zoology meet. So, but this is sort of another interesting uh, view of that because you get these two, like I said, you get these two contrasting cultures. You get the culture of the north, like I said, and the culture more of the south. Um, of course, then you get many layers on this, many political layers. You have Circe, who wants to exert power over both her husband Robert and uh, and Ned Stark, and you get Robert, who really is tired of it and doesn't want anything to do with anything like this anymore, especially because he's got clearly his bigger worries. Um, and then you have Ned, who is uh, very much on he's powerful, but he's very much on the outside of the of core of the royal family, so he is in many ways, somewhat helpless. And Joffrey, who just likes bullying because he can. Although, of course, you could say Cersei is, in many ways, somewhat helpless because she is, you know, second fiddle to her husband due to uh, the fact that she's the queen and she's a woman and she's trying to get as much power as she can because of that. So, again, there's many, many layers to this chapter. And, um, some people, you know, blame Sansa for what happened, and, well, it is true she didn't tell the truth, but really, you know, she's a kid, the the full, you know, the point of the blame is on Cersei and Joffrey and, yeah, Robert for letting it go, and... I, I would say Cersei and Cersei, and, and most of all. Because they could have actually, you know, they could have done a few things differently. And they could have shown uh, Joffrey that, you know, just because he's the prince, he doesn't have to get away with everything. And that even princes can be held accountable. But Joffrey, of course, isn't going to learn that lesson. And, uh, spoiler alert, he doesn't learn that lesson anytime soon. He might learn it at some point, but, you know, we will get into that later. And, uh... Yeah, that's the end of that chapter, and the next one's Bran, and it's going to be an interesting, kind of creepy, uh, mystical one, and I think... It's Bran. It's Bran. But this one is creepy and mystical, even by Bran's standards, so... Yeah. Uh, we'll be going get into that one. Thank you for listening to Cast It Into The Fire podcast, and good night. Good night.